Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Welcome back to the Boiling Point, Dave. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, listen, are you, thank are you. you. No, 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 before you say anything, okay. thank you for the sushi and the sake that you just that you just bought me. Anytime. And the Sapporo that you had. That was th- yes, thank you. I'll thank myself for the Sapporo. It was delish. It'd be really nice if this podcast was actually uh, presented by Sapporo or <laughs> uh, or one of the many uh, fine uh, producers of sake. That could happen. Yeah, it was a, it was a good sushi boat. Thank you. And in fact, the really neat thing is, is we went for lunch a, a moment ago with our last guest from last week. That's right, Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan. That's uh, kind of neat. So if anybody is a guest on our show. Um, uh, please know that we're welcoming you to take us out for lunch. Yes. So Tim Tim invited us for lunch, and I paid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I offered. That's but right. Offered. That's right. Um, so I met Chris uh, in uh, just outside New York City in a place called uh, uh, Hastings on the Hudson uh, with Seth Godin. And Seth Godin had this amazing uh, conference called Ruckus Makers where he brought in 80 people who uh, he considers as ruckus makers worthy enough to come and hang out with him for two and a half days. And that's where I met Chris. And Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a really uh, brief introduction to you, Chris, and I'm going to pass it over to you. Chris works in a very interesting industry, which is th- the world of translation. So think about that. How many language, languages we have uh, in the world, how, how we live in such a flat, uh, a flat global community, People need to have their have their literature, their, their you know their written words translated, and uh, there's an association that Chris is, is part of. But why I really wanted to bring her on is because she's working with <clears throat> an industry of people that I think she compared to cave dwellers, people who are usually really quiet. You know, they they, they work in the uh, in the solitude of their own home, and she is helping to be a voice for this group of amazing people. So, Chris, I'm going to pass it to you. Give us a proper introduction about who Chris Derman is. Okay, thanks very much. I'm pleased to be here. Uh, Well, yeah, two of the basic pieces of information that you have to know if you're going to be talking about translation is that there's translation and there's interpreting. Translation is the written word. I'm a translator myself, so I get text in written form, whether it's a report or it could be subtitles, for example, or uh, a speech, but that's going to be given by someone, and I translate it on the page. I translate words on the page, and I I deliver words on a page. Uh, Interpreters work orally. They have uh, nerves of steel, and they hear one language and almost immediately uh, condense it a bit and say it in the other language. And uh, whereas translators like myself work only into our native language, I work from French to English, I'm American in fact, uh, interpreters work in, the two, in both directions, back and forth. That's part of, part of what they do. So that's one really big difference between those two professions. And it's very unusual that a translator would also be an interpreter. I mean, okay. It's possible, but it's, it's, it's a different type of training. Yeah, yeah. Training. And the other, thing you, uh, the other thing you shared with us, Chris, was you were just, uh, we were trying to get a sense of the stereotypical translator and you kind of gave us a quick description and we lost a little bit of that. Um, and and as, as we were, as I asked you earlier, you know, just like, we, you know, the stereotypical lawyer, engineer, you know, tell us a little bit about what that translator is like, um, not so much physically, but just kind of personality, that sort of thing. 
that personality. Um, first of all, translators, in a general way, love words. They love reading. They love words. They love cultural things, in a general way. Although you also have translators who are tech geeks. Um, some of it's, it's interesting because there are, the, nowadays there are courses you know you can study in university to become a translator. Uh, but there are also plenty of people who get into the profession having having already been something else, like a former uh, scientist, a former doctor, a former lawyer, a former architect, for example. So it's like a very eclectic group. Oh, it is. It is, and it's wow. great. It's great. So these people, they are, they're almost in a stronger position than, than kids who graduate from university as translators because the, the former architect, for example, will bring in to the, the field their knowledge of a specific field and what clients are actually looking for. And if they add that, combine that with language skills, then they're, uh, they're not quite home free, but they're really in a, in a strong position to sell, sell their skills. Okay. And, and Chris, you, you know, when, when I met you at, uh, at Seth Godin's um, Ruckus Makers, <clears throat> what, I, what I heard from you was this group of people that you are, you are essentially being a voice for because uh, you are, maybe you can remind us about the association that you, that you represent. You are uh, a voice for the industry, correct? Uh, a voice, actually, unofficial voice for the time being. I'm, I'm, I'm a member of the board of the American Translators Association, uh, which does have a PR uh, committee that's that's putting together a program. Uh, but I'm also a member of several other. I'm a, the French Translators Association. I'm a member, a member of that. I'm a member of the UK Association as well. Uh, in a general way, though, translators uh, tend to spend a lot of time talking amongst themselves about things rather than face out towards the world and let clients and other people, first of all, know they exist, and secondly, how those potential clients can use the skills of, of an expert translator to, to really build their own business, in fact. And so that's, it's kind of in that direction that I, um, like, I'm trying to push things, and, I, and other people as well who are interested in, in that field. Translators are so shy in a general way. They're, they're very good with words on the page, but I, my impression is, is that they're less good in, in speaking out, in fact. So what is the biggest challenge for your industry right now? And because when I met you, you don't, you don't fit that profile. <laughs> you're, uh, you're very outgoing, uh, expressive uh, person. Obviously, you're a technician in the field as well. But what are you, what are you finding that you are able to bring to this industry? Because I know, um, Dave, for your sake, at this, uh, at, at this ruckus makers that we were at with Seth Godin, uh, he really challenged us to put projects together to leave New York with a really understanding uh, of what's next. What, what's the next thing we're going to do? And I'd love it, Chris, if you could uh, uh, explain to us what your project was and how you, as a singular person in industry, are hoping to really uh, support uh, the industry as a whole. Maybe you can explain a little bit about what your project was. Oh, okay. Well, actually, I always have uh, five or six projects bubbling away, and one of the good points of, of Seth's um, seminar was to make make me think that I can't just keep... Do, trying to do everything at once. It doesn't, doesn't work well. Uh, anyway, one thing that, that we in the industry have noticed is that the month of August uh, tends to be kind of a dead month for news. I mean, it depends, but very often uh, the month of August is a month when there's things kind of slow down. And over the past five or six years, the thing I've noticed is that in the month of August, you always have silly stories about translation and language in, in you know, major news uh, uh, major major newspapers. Uh, very often, it's about it's it's sort of an ode to computer translation. 
the wonders of computer translation, you know, that sort of thing, uh, which are going, you know, the, the, the story is always this will replace humans in, in at least in, in about 10 years or something like that. And uh, so I was thinking it would be really useful this year to plan ahead so that we actually have, we translators, you know, have, have, have written up some narratives that explain what it is we do, but in a fun way, in an interesting way, not that we conjugate verbs or find the right form of the subjunctive or something like that, but rather, you know, here is how we save lives. Here is how we save money. Here is how we earn money for small businesses or large businesses for that matter. Anyway, write up a bunch of these stories and use them to get the press interested in writing about us so that this August we'll have some good coverage, interesting coverage, and accurate coverage uh, as opposed to some of the silly stuff that, that you normally see. So that's one of my projects. Oh, and and cool. I think that's, uh, that's doable, I think, partly because you know, language, I think, is inherently interesting to lots of people, it, not to offend anybody, but it's not like, say, industrial fluids or something like that. You know, if you talk about language, everybody is interested assuming you talk about it in, in, in a fun way and in a story way. Right, right, right. Now, and how long have you, how long have you actually been out there translating? Oh, about 99 years or so. <laughs> um, I think, uh, no, actually, actually, I'm, uh, I've been in France for about 40 years, and I've, oh, part wow. of the time I was, a, I was a student, but um, I've been translating for, easily for 30, 35 so years. So that's quite a career. Now, if you, and I, this will be hard to do, but, you know, you talked about stories, but, like, what would be one of the most kind of interesting um, stories that emerge from your work as a translator? Oh, that, that word, well, you see, yeah, then we get immediately into this idea that most of what you do is confidential, especially one of, my, one of the things I do is crisis management, crisis communication. Okay. So if you have a hostage is taken somewhere, there's an explosion somewhere. So, so you've done that kind of, you've done that? Like, yeah, something really? toxic has been found in a food company's products, and that that happens, and you get called in immediately to deal with writing up the statement, uh, working on the press release, updating wow. the company's website, uh, dealing with the Twitter feeds, and all that. That's, it's, it's immensely interesting. The so, adrenaline really flows, and I you can guess. see in the press uh, whether it's effective, what you're doing. You can see whether your story is getting out. So I, that, I do that sort of thing, but you know, the whole idea there is that that's behind the scenes. You're not supposed to comment on that in, no. in public, which is entirely understandable from the right. point of view of the clients. But there, there are other things as well. I mean, every two years uh, with a bunch of people in the French Translators Association, we organize an event with the Stock Exchange for financial translators. We realized that there, were no, there was no training, specialized training for financial translators, so we teamed up with Stock Exchange, who lend us their premises. One year it's in Paris, next year it's in Brussels, and we get speakers in to talk about technical things, but also strategic issues for clients for example, using translators. And last year, for example, last summer, um, we rang the bell opening trading at the Brussels Stock Exchange, which oh, was that's awesome. exciting. You know what I'm thinking here? This feels, you know, in the, in, in the landscape of TV shows that we see at Netflix and on HBO and all this, we need to see a TV show about the crazy truth uh, underbelly world of translation. Like I can see, ah. it, it's it, it's almost like the TV show Twenty Four or something like this, you know. I think you just gave me a, a good idea here, Chris. Well, you know, the, uh, translators are often useful characters in uh, in fiction and in in, in drama. Um, you know, the the U.S. series West Wing. Yes, of course. Um, there was uh, actually at one point, Dee Dee Myers, who was a former 
press secretary for the White House, uh, was she was in touch with our group, our our group of translators for various things. And we explained what translators and interpreters do. And someone pointed out that she was also an advisor to West Wing. And following that meetup with translators, there uh, was an interpreter character who appeared. In in the show, who was uh, who apparently I hadn't seen it actually, but who made good sense and was very interesting and so on and so forth. So that's a, that's an interesting way to get our story out as well. Yeah, well, no, and this is it is a fascinating world that you wouldn't you know like the the layman wouldn't necessarily understand. And I mean, just you're just my mind's going wild with the kind of interesting work that happens. And what I'm thinking is, um, like Chris, there's a lot of trust that's put into the translator as well, isn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, think think about situations in in community interpreting and translating. Where I mean, Canada is a big country for for immigration, as is the United States. Where lots of times immigrant families arrive having been through horrific situations in their in their home countries as refugees, and they are helped to get into the community. The kids go to school, they get medical care, and so on and so forth, thanks to um, interpreters and translators who are there telling their story, helping them out, showing them what the way, and interpreting the information that they need to, to really make a new life. So you have stories like that that are good, too. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I was just thinking of, like, I noticed, um, for whatever reason this is coming to mind, uh, the world of mixed martial arts, you've got, it's, it's a worldwide phenomenon. You've got fighters coming in from all over, and they, mm-hmm. they're generally translating to English. And, and I was reading this article about that, that many, um, the Brazilians, for example, will, will speak in their native tongue um, because even mm-hmm. though they can speak English, but they just don't want to be, they want to make sure they're correct and they'll just leave the rest up to the translator. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. versus, you know, having, like, um, you know, not and, and they would have a decent command of the English language, but they just rather, I'm, I'm guessing that would probably happen, and that's that's in the, this, in a sport, so I'm imagining, like, politicians, and, I mm-hmm. mean, you, you don't, you know, it could be so easy to be um, misinterpreted. To, to misinterpreted and misquoted, <laughs> not even misquoted, but quoted properly, but just because mm-hmm. you're, you don't have a command of the language, so you'd want to stick with your, your mother tongue. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think think of the language of treaties and the language of diplomatic agreements, how each word is 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 hammered out, is discussed, is so on. And, and so the importance of getting those types of documents translated exactly right, exactly right, is extremely important. And you know, in the private sector as well, I, I work on um, quarterly financial results for companies, and I can guarantee you that for listed companies, every word in those press releases is weighed. I don't know, we get up to version 18 or 19 sometimes before the information on the company's results is released to the world. Really? and that, yeah. So that's a massive investment of time, isn't it? It is. It is, but it's, it's obviously worth it. I mean, yeah. And, and it's the kind, of, uh, the kind of work that is, you know, I, I, I always advise translators to aim for that sort of work for people who care. That's another Seth Godin idea. But when, when the work is important, when the risk is very high, that's where skilled translators should be focusing their attention. I, I, I've got a really uh, left field th- idea that came back to me from when, when I was a kid going to Sunday school. <laughs> I remember yeah. it was a thing. It was a big, a big controversial thing that there was multiple versions of the Bible, right? You've got huh. the, the NIV. Mm-hmm. You've got the. Uh, the new, oh, jeepers, I can't even remember. <laughs> but that being said, think about how critical religious text would be in translating and interpreting because 
you know, p- people like the, uh, the, the extreme, uh, the fundamentalists of those words would, would be, oh my gosh, I, I never even thought how important that job would have been. Mm-hmm. I think a- absolutely. And of course, it's very interesting just for, for Christians, for example, the, the Bible as a subject of translation is hugely, hugely important in translation studies in universities. Lots of research going on about the different translations of the Bible and certainly of other, other religious texts as well. Yeah, this is cool. Well, listen, we we come to a close, uh, Chris. Um, these 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 podcasts are an incredible opportunity for Dave and I to get fire hosed with, uh, with with new ideas. And um, what we do as we wrap up before we do a takeaway is. We we just we let our our, our guests give uh, give our listening audience a little bit of advice or even even just a, a little tip because we've got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast right so you have something that entrepreneurs need right so uh, th- this is where you 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 can stand up on the uh, on the apple box and uh, and, and and preach your word what's uh, what do you want our audience to hear and take away from this. Okay, well, assuming that your audience is business people, right, um, I would say if you think of moving, of, of addressing a public other than pe- speakers of your own language, that is anywhere in the world or often in, within your own country, if you've got Spanish speakers, for example, and you want to address them, think about turning to a professional human translator and explaining what you want done so that the translator understands better what the context is. And I would think you know, one of the most important things at all, of all in my field is doing this in a timely way. That is, you don't realize at the very last minute, oh my goodness, we have to translate our entire website into Spanish or into Chinese or whatever. You actually plan that in from the front and you, and you make sure that you have time available so that the translator isn't doing it in a mad dash after midnight, right? Um, I think it's, it's also a good idea uh, to start looking around now for the translation talent you need. Um, in Canada, you've got a number of professional associations that have online directories um, and who can, who can help put you in touch with somebody who really knows what they're doing. And as you're looking for a translator, ask to see stuff they've already done. Ask to see work they've already done, right? Uh, the translator who claims to do everything, translate everything under the sun, is probably a bad bet. You want somebody who specializes. Uh, and you want somebody who, who writes really well in their native language. And if you need an opinion on that, well, find a partner in that language and, and ask them for an opinion. But uh, by, by preparing in advance like that, you really can spend your translation budget well and get a big payback on it. Gotcha. Very good advice. So <clears throat> for the listeners, how would they um, learn more about you and, and you know, and, and just any way they could learn about and the, the association as well. Yeah. yeah. Like just, you know, is there any, you know, like how do people learn more? How do they learn more? Well, they can get a copy of the little brochure that I gave you. Uh, it's available online in 16 languages. <laughs> and uh, the, the first start, they can try ATA. Uh, net.org, which is the American Translators Association. Uh, I didn't actually didn't look up the Canadian um, equivalents, but there are Canadian associations who publish it as well. And so that would be that would be the thing to do. Um, I'd, yeah, that's right where, where we'd start. You, you publish, I think, on your website, you publish links and so on. 
Yes, yeah, we'll put that up for sure. That's we'll definitely great. put those up. And yeah, and if, if, if there's anything else you want to share, Chris, just uh, send us a note. And listen, it was a real pleasure to have you on here. And you know, I, I think we'll probably be friends for life after going through that amazing Seth oh, Godin yeah, experience. For sure. <laughs> and uh, oh, and just so you, I, I don't know if I sent it to you, but did you uh, did you get to see the uh, the Paris food show that I, that we released I on, did. online? I did, and as I said, you know, I, I looked through the whole series, and it made me want to go out and buy a suckling pig right away. Oh, that's right. That's right. Then. <laughs> But then I said, okay, well, I'll invite my friends over first. There you go. Well, I, I hope... I, I hope we were able to uh, interpret the French uh, dining uh, and party culture uh, appropriately. Totally accurate. It was totally accurate. <laughs> really well, well done. Really well That's done. great, Chris. Well, thanks so much, and I really hope we uh, continue to stay in touch. And we will now continue to think about the, the power of proper translation and, uh, and know the difference of uh, interpretation. I think this is amazing. So thanks so much, Chris. Enjoy Paris, uh, and uh, come visit us sometime on the east coast of Canada. With great pleasure. Thanks very much. Au revoir, Chris. Okay, bye-bye. Au revoir. Bye. Very cool. You know what? I We started, and I'm thinking to myself, really, like, translation? I'm, like, I'm trying to make the connection to, like, how interesting this will be. And then Chris starts talking, and it's like, I mean, yeah, and just, I, there's a whole, how many worlds are there out there's there? There's so many worlds out there. That we just, you just have no sense of, you make all these wild generalizations. You think you can just plug text into Google and say, translate and come up and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I'm, I'm unilingual, lingual. Like I speak one or monolingual, whatever. I don't even know any of the proper term. I speak one friggin' language and not, and, and that Est-ce not que very tu well. Est-ce que parler français, uh, No, no, we know, no, we no. know. We know, we know, we know, we know, we know, we know. We know that, Dave. And, and my Acadian friends will tell you, and my French friends will tell you uh, how poor my French is, and that's not an excuse, but it's a reality. Michael Logier would, would slap you in the wrist right now for saying that. Well, and I need to be, I need, and part of it is I, I, I but but anyways, all that aside, um, the, uh, she, Chris has a very interesting story, and it just, you know, I never thought about, like, yeah, like right now, and, was, and I thought, you know, like, as, as, as we're... Um, were days after that terrible accident in uh, the French Alps, the plane crash that went down, 150 people perished. You know, like when she's talking about the translation, you know, for hostage taking, for accidents, all kind of stuff, for chemicals, that, you know, spills or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I never would have thought that way. Like, it, it's such a critical industry. And like she said before, it's a very quiet industry. Like, we don't hear about translators or, or even interpreters much or enough, I, I should she, say. She mentioned the West Wing character. I don't recall that and I love that show. I watched every episode. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have to go check that well, out. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's something to think about. For all of us who own businesses, who are exporting to different markets, um, I get it. Uh, working in New Brunswick, with uh, with which is actually we, we should, we should really an get officially it. bilingual uh, area of Canada, uh, whenever we put out a press release in English and French, we spend the money and take the time to get a French translator, an Acadian French translator, to do it because there's so many. Like it's it's almost disrespectful to put something else out uh, that's that's not actually express in the language of the target audience you're trying to get to read, you right? Know, you know, and he, then if you, if, you, if you actually even think of within your, your own, like within your native, t- your, like in English, there's a filmmaking language, mm-hmm. there's a coaching language. Like, you know, I mean, like you have to, you can't just, you can't even make wild generalizations within, uh, generalizations within a single language. Did you even know there's a, there's a Star Trek language? No, but I'm sure. Have you ever seen me. that show? It's it's fantastic. You can watch it on uh, PBS, I think. No, or something. Anyway. St- Star Trek. That, that, oh, that was bad. Sorry, um, Dave. <laughs> can't wait for next week. Yes. And uh, 
I want you to uh, I want you to translate this this sentence for me and tell me what you think it is next week. Oui, oui. Okay. Me fascinas tus ojos. C'est bon. Okay. Um, <laughs> On that great note. Next week, I'll tell you what that means. Okay, I can't wait. Okay. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Please uh, continue to share and let us know if there's other uh, guests that you'd like to hear on this because we love meeting people in different, unique uh, verticals. So Absolutely. Let's stay vertical. See you next week. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.